Mother's Day. It is great to see you this morning, and what an incredible day to honor our moms. Let's welcome those that are watching online as well today. So glad you could join us online. I'm hoping that my mom is watching today. I just got to send her a text and thank her for all that she's done in my life. I know that uh, we all come from different circumstances, different backgrounds, but we all have a mom. We all have a mom, and we have the opportunity to honor our moms because they, because they have such influence on our lives. Isn't it amazing in today's culture, in our world, how women have such influence? We have such a platform, and, it's so, and we're so thankful for those that have invested in our lives, those that have given us the influence and the, the hope that we have in our lives, our moms. So I just want to say thank you to my mom. She taught me how to be strong. She taught me how to make good decisions. She taught me a lot of things, a lot of things I could not pick up from her, like sewing. She was amazing at sewing. I never, I said, Mama, no, I cannot do that. But some of the things that she taught me, I will never forget. It's a part of who I am. So we have so much opportunity to thank our moms for who they are in our lives today. So why don't I take, I just want to take a moment to pray over us. And just thank God for our moms and pray a blessing over our moms today. And if you're a mom, a grandmother in the house, thank you so much for the investment that you have made in the lives of those around you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day, the opportunity just to remember and honor our moms. God, I know some of our moms are with us today. Some moms are already in your presence. God, we thank you for our moms, the, the investment the influence that they have had on our lives, God. Lord, I pray for the moms that are in this room right now. God, I pray that your hand of favor would be upon them. Your blessing would be upon them. God, that you would bring them peace and joy no matter what their circumstances today. God, I pray that your presence would be so strong around them today, God. And for the grandmothers in the room, God, what a legacy that we get the opportunity to be around our grandmothers. God, I just pray that you would bless them, give them strength, give them physical health, God. Lord, that they might continue the legacy to those around them. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to speak your word today, God. We ask, God, I ask, Father, that your word would go forth with power. God, it is your word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. God, and when I am weak, you are strong. And I humble myself before you so that you might be lifted up. Lord, thank you. Speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, today I want to talk to you a little bit. We're continuing this series called Headspace. And it's been phenomenal, this series, Headspace. We've had two weeks so far. And if you've missed it, make sure to go back, watch online, um, on our app, on our website. It's been incredible. I don't think I've ever had a series where I've had so many people come up to me and say, I think that your husband is talking specifically to me. How does he know everything that's going on in my life? It's crazy. But when we start to deal with this, these thoughts that are in our head, negative thoughts, positive thoughts, it, we all deal with this in our life. And some of the things that we've learned from the life of Paul, some of the things that we've learned are, we know that our thoughts are incredibly powerful. There's often a war going on, and the war is generally lost or won in the mind, right? There comes 
into your mind. Whatever comes into your mind comes out in your life. It's impossible to live a positive life when you're consumed with negative thoughts. And if you don't change the way that you think, you cannot change the way that you live. These are some of the truths that we've learned the past couple of weeks. And it's so, so powerful because today I want to talk to you about the third of these series of talks on Headspace. And we're going to talk about reframing our lives, the thought of reframing our lives. How many of you ever seen the show called The Antique Roadshow? Raise your hand. Let me see. Yeah, we got a few. First service, we had about half of the people had seen the Antique Roadshow. I don't watch it consistently, but when I do watch it, it just blows my mind. And I just recently watched an episode, and I, 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 it just got to me. I mean, every single time I watched it, I watched it over and over, I cried. It's ridiculous. I, I don't know if it's because my daughter's getting married in a month, my gr- son is graduating in a week. I don't know what's going on inside this mama's heart, but I, I just cried every time. So, so I want you to see it, and hopefully you have a tissue near you, or maybe I'm just crazy. But, but let's watch this episode together. So this is a painting that I was given when my grandmother passed away. It always hung right above her bed. Her dad, I'm guessing would have given it to her after she spent the summer at a dude ranch when she was 19 in like the 40s. Not sure if it's a print or a painting, but when I got it, there was a mosquito underneath the glass. So I took it out to the front yard and I opened it up to get the mosquito out so I could take it with me to college. And then it kind of scared me a little. I closed it back up immediately because it looked like it might be real. Okay, and have you had it appraised before? Do you know if she had it appraised? It was appraised. and like a general house appraisal twice. Um, in 1998, it was appraised as a print at $200, and in 2004, it was appraised at $250. Okay. So if we were gonna put this in an auction today, I would suggest an estimate of 200,000 to 300,000. so I can't hang it up. Oh my God. That's so much. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. I have left the mosquito in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that something? Isn't it crazy how we can perceive a value of something based on what somebody told us it was worth? But until we get the master appraiser to tell us what it's truly worth, behind that dirty glass, behind that mosquito, was a masterpiece, was something of high worth and value. You know, the same is true in our lives. It's the way that we think or the way that we see things is sometimes based on what somebody else told us or ex- 
experience that we had. And sometimes we filter it through, through dirty glass or we filter it through a perspective that was not accurate because we didn't listen to the true thing that the master appraiser has said it's valued or worth that. This is true with our lives as well. In Ephesians 2.10, the Bible tells us that we are God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do great things that he planned for us long ago. So I think that some of us still have this issue in our life where we're dealing with thoughts that somebody said this about us. Somebody believed this about us. Somebody spoke this into our life, but we're not receiving the true value or worth because we're believing what they said. But it really doesn't matter what they said. It matters what the master appraiser has said, that I'm his masterpiece. He created me with great value. I am his magnum opus, his greatest piece of art. And that is the life that he has intended for me to live and for you to live as well. God has created a masterpiece in you and I. And why is it that we have a hard time believing this and doing the things that he had planned for us long ago? And we devalue and diminish the value that he has put on our lives. Well, we've been talking again in this whole series, and the brain has been fixed. With the scientists used to tell us that the brain was fixed in adolescence, but now we know that the brain actually has neuropathways that it is creating. So the more that we think a thought, the more that we believe that thought, and we continue to believe that thought, and all of a sudden it becomes reality in our lives. So if that's a positive thought, that's good. If it's a negative thought, that's bad. That we were told last week that your life will always move in the direction of its strongest thoughts. It will always move in that direction of the strongest neuropathways that have been dug into our brain, what we truly believe about ourselves and about our life. And again, that, that's good news. If we take what Paul told us to do, and he said to think on things that are true, good, pure, lovely, excellent, admirable, and worthy of praise. But it's bad news if we're believing bad thoughts and believing bad things, thinking things that are not actually true of us, but we've placed in our heart that, that they are true. And the more bad thoughts that we have, the more negative thoughts that we have, it just compounds and compounds and compounds and digs a deeper neuropathway in our brain. So we have to do something about it. And we're basing this whole series on the scripture that Paul gave us. And he believed that we could not allow the enemy to shape our lives with the thoughts that he's trying to make us believe about ourselves. I love what the Second uh, Corinthians 10 3 through 5, which is our scripture that we base this whole series around. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. They're not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And what's a stronghold, Pastor Rodney told us? The lies are a pattern of wrong thinking in our life. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Jesus Christ. 
That's what Paul taught us in 2 Corinthians that we must do. We have to recognize the power of our thoughts and remember that God has given us divine power to overcome the strongholds, the lies that we have believed in our lives. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives as Christians and he speaks truth and he speaks life into us. He's given us the power, but it's a matter if we're going to receive it and believe it, our master creator, our master appraiser in our life. Um, it's, we look through things through a mental filter. Uh, the scientists call it cognitive bias. Cognitive bias. It's a mistake in reasoning based on personal preferences or beliefs. It's that mental filter or that mental framework with which we see life. It might be based on something that's happened to us in the past. It might be based on the home that we were raised in, the circumstances that we grew up in, something that happened to us along the pathway of our life, but it causes us to have a bias, and sometimes it's not true in our lives. If we end up with that, we can make wrong decisions and based on wrong assumptions because of the bias we have in our life. An illustration of this might be uh, in, in a workplace where a boss goes in and he gives feedback to some of his employees. So he has one employee that comes in. He's giving them both the same feedback. So there's two employees. He's giving both the same feedback. So the first employee comes in. He gives the feedback in his office. And that employee walks out of that office and says, well, who does he think he is? He thinks he is so much better than me. I know what I am doing. Can you believe what he said to me? I can't believe he said that to me. The second employee comes in. Same boss, same office, same feedback. This employee says, oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for giving me that feedback. Thank you for believing in me, that I can get better. I needed that. Thank you for believing that I can be a leader and I can make a difference here in this company. I needed that feedback because I want to be better. Same boss, same feedback, same office, but because of the cognitive bias, because of the thoughts that they came in with, they believe two different things. Does that make sense? So when someone walks into a church like this church today, you might walk in with a, a certain way of thinking about church. Maybe one person walks in. They grew up in a home that was very strict. They grew up in a home where they, maybe the person that they grew up under said, you know, Christians, they're all just phonies. They're just fakes. I can't believe that you would even believe something that they would say. Or maybe you grew up, the second person grows up in a home where they have been taught the grace of God, and they know that no, there is no one perfect, no, not one, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that it's by the grace of God that we are saved, that our lives are changed and renewed day after day. So it might be that one person walks in with the one perspective that God is bad, God is difficult, God is going to give me a hard time because he can't accept me the way I am. One person walks in with the bias, that God is good. His grace is sufficient for me. Same church, same worship, same message by the same pastor, but they hear two different things. It's based on our cognitive bias in our lives. And it's not the facts that were different. 
It was the frame and the filter in which they saw the facts that were different in life. Reframing. What is reframing in our lives? Reframing is creating a different way of looking at a situation or person or a relationship by changing its meaning. I love the story of the little boy that went out into his backyard and he said, I am the greatest batter of all time. So he threw up the the ball and he swung the bat and he missed. He said, strike one. That's okay. Even the best batter of all time can, can get struck out or can miss the ball one. And so he throws up the ball and he swings and he missed the second ball. That's okay. I'm still the greatest batter in the entire world. And so the third ball here, he's ready to hit it. He throws up the ball and he swings and he misses. And he said, wow, I can't believe it. I had no idea. I'm the greatest pitcher in the world who ever lived because I just struck out the greatest batter who ever lived. It's the way that we perceive it, right? It's the bias that we have in our lives. Free framing is simply changing the way that we look at something by changing its meaning. In scientific language, which I'm not a scientist, I'm sure as you can already tell, but scientific language is cognitive restructuring. I like to call it thinking different or even rethinking life. That's an easy one for me to remember. It's rethinking life. That's when we reframe things, we rethink the way that our life is going and what God has planned for us. You know what? Um, it's, it can be illustrated like this. Uh, this picture, everybody sees this beautiful picture. This is a situation. This is a picture of life. And you know what? We can look at this picture and we can say, oh, wow if we frame it this way, that this is an awesome day. You wake up in the morning, this is an amazing day. I can't wait for this day. I live in Orlando, Florida, the happiest place on earth. This is the best day. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen today by the way that I frame it. Or I can go over here and I can frame it this way. Oh my gosh, this is the worst. I'm having such a struggle today. You know what? And those, those love bugs, I, I can't believe. I just, I just hate it. You know, they're ruining my car. I, I, just, I just can't stand it. You know, living here in Orlando, Florida, this muggy place. But it's the same picture. It's the same situation. It's just the way I framed it, right? It's just the way that we frame it in our lives. You know, we can't control what happens to us but we can control how we frame it in our lives. That's one thing that we do have control of in our lives. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't even know what's going to happen this afternoon. But I can choose to frame it the way that I want to in my life. If there's anybody that was great at framing and reframing a situation, it was the Apostle Paul who wrote this, this letter to us. And he actually uh, wrote in uh, Philippians. And he was actually wanting to share the gospel. It was his prayer 
that he could preach the gospel in Rome because he wanted to share the gospel of Jesus Christ in one of the epicenters of the world where everybody looked to Rome as the place to be of wisdom that would come out of Rome. So he wanted to get to Rome so that he could preach the gospel and he knew if he could preach the gospel there that it would spread across the world. So you know what happened? He ended up in Rome. He ended up in Rome, which was awesome. He ended up in Rome. But the thing happened, he ended up in Rome as a prisoner in jail. So he had to reframe what he was seeing in his life. Um, I love what the scripture says that he wrote from the prison cell in Rome. He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I love what the Passion Translation says. I read it this morning. Actually, it has not hindered me, but it's helped me in my ministry. That's reframing something when you're sitting in, in prison. And it says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. See, when he was in prison, Paul was chained to a jailer. And uh, a Roman official was actually a jailer there in prison, a prison guard. And the prison guards actually had a lot of influence in Rome. And so he had eight-hour shifts with different prison guards. So what he, in his mind, he said, hey, I'm actually chained to an influencer in Rome for eight hours at a time. Eight hour, next eight hours, I get a new one. So actually, I am not a prisoner, but I'm a preacher here in this prison, and I'm sharing the gospel with these people, and these people are being saved, and actually, it hasn't hindered me. It is helping me get the ministry out and the gospel out that God has given to me. He reframed his circumstances in his life. And in Philippians 1.14, it says, And because my, of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Isn't that amazing? Do you think there might be some people around you that are watching you maybe go through a difficult time or something that you didn't expect, and they're just watching you? and seeing how you might frame it, how you might respond to it. And is it a helpful situation to advance the gospel in your life as they see you stand in faith and walk in faith through difficult times in your life? We have a choice. We can't control what happens to us. There are unexpected things all the time. It doesn't change. I'm getting ready to turn 50 years old. It doesn't change. Something is always going to happen that I did not expect. I cannot control my circumstances, but I can control the way I'm going to frame it in my life and the way I'm going to see it. As we live out our thoughts, we can often drift to the negative. I don't know about you, but me. I have an issue. I tend to drift to the negative. I tend to want to frame it on, on the negative side of things. But God wants us to reframe it into the positive, into belief of what he's going to do in our lives. And there's three things that I'm really trying to learn in my life and I'm trying to practice in my life. And my husband can testify that I, I'm a learner. 
okay? I, I'm trying, and I'll be real with you. I, I do not hit it all the time. But there are three th principles that I want to teach you that I've been working on in my life. Principle number one to reframing our life is thank God for what didn't happen. Thank God for what didn't happen. You know what? I have three kids. They've all been teenagers at one time in their life. And you know what? Sometimes a teenager will walk in the door with an attitude that would just send you over the edge. You know what I'm talking about? When that happens, I can be thankful that they walk through the door. Because there's some mamas I know that that didn't happen. I'm thankful for what didn't happen in our life. You can have uh, a project that you were really working on so that you could get that bonus and you didn't make it at the deadline on time. You can be thankful that you still have the job, right? You still have the job. God is good. You still have the job, even though you might not have the bonus. Thankful for what didn't happen. I can be thankful even if I've had a car accident. My car is smashed up. I'm working with the insurance company, taking me weeks to figure it out. But aren't you thankful that you're still sitting in this seat today, alive and well, and that nobody was hurt in that car accident? We have a choice as to what, the way we're going to reframe it. We can thank God for what didn't happen. Number two is we can practice pre-framing our lives. Practice pre-framing. Because we don't know what's going to happen, we have the choice to pre-frame it before we get into a situation. And three ways that I like to do that is, number one, by renewing my mind every morning. You know, when we wake up in the morning, we have the opportunity of what our thoughts are going to be. And, and again, it's easy for the negative to begin and you start to get overwhelmed with all that you got to get done or the situation that is facing you. Or you can make the choice when that alarm goes off, you know what? I'm going to renew my mind. I'm going to thank you, God, that, uh, that I have this bed to sleep in. I thank you, Lord, that I have a, a roof over my head. I thank you, Lord, for my children. I thank you, Lord, for my spouse. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me food to eat, God. You've given me a job to go to today, God. I thank you, Lord, that I am living here in the greatest place on earth. God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. You can always find something to be thankful for. As you renew your mind, the Bible tells us the scripture is so important in our life. That's what Pastor Rodney talked about last week. If you didn't hear it, you got to hear it. You've got to hear it. The word of God is powerful in our life. It's powerful in our life. Just memorize the scripture. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even if you say that every morning, right when you wake up, you're reframing your day. So no matter what you face, I can do it. I can do it because of Jesus Christ who strengthens me in my life. The second situation is we have to speak life to over ourselves. Sometimes we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm, David would get down. And he would have to encourage himself in the Lord. So you pre-frame it before you walk into that situation. When you walk into that situation, maybe with a friendship that is not going right, and you're so down and frustrated about it, you can walk in and say, I am a masterpiece. 
I'm created in Christ Jesus. I've asked for your forgiveness, but if you choose not to forgive me, that's okay. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord because that doesn't change my value. It doesn't change who I am. I am his masterpiece, and I can do this thing. I can love you even when you've been unlovable in my life. Amen? Amen. We can speak over ourselves. Speak the word of truth over yourself. And then thirdly, you can speak life over your situation. Speak life over your situation. You know, God, I, I may be in, in debt right now, but God, I know as I give, I love you. And as I'm working it out, I know, God, you will supply every need in my life. I believe it, God. I believe you can do a miracle in my life. I'm just going to speak life over this situation. You may find yourself in a marriage situation that is just frustrating in a rut. Speak life over that situation. My God, you can help me do the impossible in this situation. My God, you will supply my need in this situation. Just speak life over your situation. Choose to frame it ahead of time. Before you walk into that situation, before you meet that person for dinner, before you go out to lunch today, pre-frame it. It's not going to be frustrating. It's going to be good. It's going to be good because I'm going to see the good. I'm not going to get by, frustrated by the things that they say. I'm going to see the good. And I know that I have this one life to live, so I'm going to live it to the full. I'm going to choose the way that I frame my thoughts about this situation. And number three, look for God's goodness. If you want to see bad, you'll see bad. If you want to see good, you will see good. I had a situation that happened with me this past weekend. Uh, a Sunday, I, I was so down on myself. I was so upset with myself because Saturday night I got a call that it was baccalaureate for my son. It, he's graduating. He finished school in December, but he's just now graduating. So we've been busy, crazy busy getting things done. And, and I failed as a mom because I didn't get him a cap and gown. I, I didn't have graduation announcements. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's graduation. And so I'm so down on myself on Sunday. I'm like, oh, I can't believe this. You, you're just stupid. That's, that's just ridiculous. All these other moms got it together, but you don't have it together. And then I started thinking about all the things that I still haven't gotten done for the wedding and now for his graduation and, and for Mother's Day today, I wanted to be prepared and ready. And I just started getting overwhelmed with all the stuff going on in my life. And I just started thinking negative. And so one of my friends texted me, and she said, I, I know you got a lot going on. I just want you to know that, that I love you, and I'm thinking about you, and, and I'm praying for you. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Somebody understands. Somebody still loves me. And so I just spill out all my problems to her in the next text message to her. I just spill it out. I usually don't do that. I'm like, you know what? She reached out to me, so she's going to get it. All the stuff that I'm feeling. And I, I was just so frustrated, but it made me feel so good just to kind of let it go. And uh, she responded back, oh, Michelle, I'm so sorry. She said, please let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. Please let me know. It meant so much to me. You know, that night, as I was going to bed, I, I jumped on Facebook. I saw a, a Facebook post from her from earlier that day. She said, our daughter, who's just been recently diagnosed um, with type 1 diabetes, she was up, the young daughter, 
She was up all through the night with her daughter. The blood sugars were low and they're worried. She's so worried that she might do something wrong as a mom and, and might lose her daughter by doing something wrong. So she's up all night helping her get her blood sugars back up. She was up all night with her. And later on the post, she said, I'm, I'm just thankful that, that my dad reminded me that I can do this and, and that it's a blessing that he trusted me. God trusted me and my husband so much with the gift of this beautiful daughter. He knew that we could do it, that we could handle this situation. So my prayers flow with, with, with I'm scared, but I'm thankful. I'm scared, but I'm thankful for what God is doing in our lives. I'm thankful for the beautiful gift of my daughter. And I read that post and I just started weeping. Because that same day, she had been up all night with her daughter. That same day, she texted me. She was worried about me. She had a different framework. She wasn't focused on the dark side of the situation. She was focused on her God she was focused on his faithfulness in her life, and she knew that she could share that hope with me. We have a choice. We cannot control our circumstances. No matter what it is, big or small, we cannot control it, but we can control how we'll frame our lives. Would you pray with me?